We are uh, grateful this morning for the presence of the Lord God. <clears throat> that would begin the early services by giving us a message that we should listen be uh, reverent before him, that he has something to say to us. <clears throat> I'm sure that he will do that what he has promised. He always does keep his word. Amen. And so we are grateful to be assembled together alive in this side of eternity this morning. Amen. Amen. Able to worship the Lord again and to yes. assemble ourselves together and hear from him. Amen. That's the reason we come together. Yes. It's for this very purpose. Now, I kind of stormed in on Brother Neville unexpectedly today because of a certain dream I had that uh, I believe in uh, and dreams. I believe that God deals with people by dreams. And I had a very unusual dream night before last that I was uh, going along a hillside, certain hillside, going to a, an eating place where I was to have my, my dinner. And I noticed that uh, as I got close to the place, they were playing uh, music. Uh, an orchestra was playing music with violins and entertaining the people while they were eating. And there was something about the, that I didn't like, so I just bypassed the thing. And um, I met someone coming up a hill. And I looked, and many people were coming up the hill to this eating place, but I kind of got away from him, turned back to the right, or to the left, and somehow down in the valley I could see the tabernacle. I heard someone's voice said, meet Brother Branham at a certain, certain crossing. He's coming down the hill up there. And tell him such and such a thing. And I hurried to get to this crossing, and when the person come up, it was Brother Neville, wearing his brown suit, looked just like he looked there this morning, and he said, uh, Brother Brandon, if you're going to be in the city, that it would be a good thing for you to come down because Brother Hank, now the only one I know Brother Hank is Brother Henry Carlson, we call him Hank, said he might think it was strange that you didn't visit the tabernacle more if you're going to be around the town, for, around the city for a few days. I woke up. And at that, I felt kind of strange. I didn't want to butt in at that time a week to ask Brother Neville if he had a, anything special for this morning for the church. So and he was gracious as always, said, come on down. So we um, just come on. I called him late yesterday afternoon. He come in this morning Amen. unexpectedly to any of us. Hallelujah. I believe that it would be a good thing first for me just kind of to explain to you some things. I am supposedly a very odd person to many people, and I'm kind of odd to myself also, because I try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit just as close as I can. And that makes us odd. And we do things that we, we really sit down and wonder sometimes, why did I do such a thing? How did I ever do such a thing? And right then, you may think that you have done exactly what you should not have done. But if you'll just be patiently and have faith, and you're sure that God has led you to do it, you'll find out it works out just exactly right. And 
Many times we find that. I know Brother Neville has found that many times, and leaders and spiritual people uh, realize that. It's been some time in my uh, life, frankly, since I was just a boy, I have uh, never uh, felt a very leading that I should live in, in Jeffersonville. It's always been a fly in the ointment for me to try to live here. The first place, the climate miserably disagrees with me. Another thing, there seems to be a depressing of the spirit. If you go back and look somewhere here, if it didn't get destroyed during the time of the flood, there is a letter to that effect that I had first called in the ministry, I started to leave, and Brother George D. Ark and I, and Brother Grim Snelling's mother, Brother Hawkins, who runs the filling station in New Orleans, and many of the people met me outside of a little prayer meeting place over here and even said if I would stay, they'd lounge their children at the table to, to build a tabernacle so they wouldn't have to be carried about from place to place. When I heard that little mother with one baby holding to her hand and the other on her arm say that she would be willing to allow her children at the table to, in order to build a place where they could stay and worship, it was a little too much for me to stand. So Brother George and I got together and decided we would stay and build the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle was built, it always seemed in the morning that I dedicated the tabernacle, a vision came, which is written in the cornerstone there, when the Holy Spirit said to me, this is not your tabernacle. And I asked where my tabernacle was, and he set me down under the bright blue skies. And then he said, do the work of an evangelist, and so forth, as you know, it's written even in the book. All those things put together, and one day while I was mowing the yard up there where Brother Woods lives now, my mother-in-law lived there at the time, I sat on the back step, a little concrete step, and I built this little place there for my mother-in-law. And she was kind of janitor of the church at that time, taking care of me. And just as clear as anyone could speak, a voice spoke to me said, I can never bless you as long as you stay here. You've got to separate yourself from your people in this place. Well, uh, that just tore me to pieces for about a, a week or more. Constantly, all the time, something has warned me, go away, go away, move west, and keep going west. Well, I, it's always bothered me. And it looks like every time, now, I had made it clearly in my mind that this week I was flying to Tucson where I was to rent a place to be there this winter to put the children in school starting in September. I have the place. There's even a place to give to me there. But there's something that, and, and uh, if I'm gone away, another thing I'd like to say, just before we built this house up here, the parsonage, where it is now, uh, I did not want to build it. My wife's mother was old and she even wept about it. She said, I just can't leave mom here with knowing she's old and she might not be taken care of. Well, I understood that. I understand that's her mother and the only mother she ever had or ever will have. So I understood that. So I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, being that I do not like the place, I said, make me satisfied. I'll go anywhere you want me to go from anywhere. Uh, but I don't want to grieve my wife to take her away from here into a strange country where she knows no one, and then I'm gone all the time anyhow. Just make me satisfied to be here with her. And now when her mother has been taken and she's gone on to glory, then here comes the urge again. 
See, now I can move on. I don't know what to do. And uh, then the other day when this doctrine that the brethren uh, had started around, I stood for the pulpit the last time I was here and told you that I would not be on the field as long as that was going. So the brethren graciously straightened all that up. It's all cleared up within 24 hours. It was all over. Now that opens the field again to me. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. I've asked the Lord for a vision. I've asked him to tell me what to do, but he just lets me set. Now, last night when I got all the kitties away, my wife and all from the house, I made a commitment to the Lord God. And I said to the Lord God, if you will bless me in the way that I go, I'll serve you. But you will have to show me where to go and how to go and what to do. So I committed myself to the Lord with the, uh, with the ministry and all. I committed it to the Lord. And I said, wherever you open, whatever you do, I'll walk in that way. Until you make a way, I'll just continue on as I am until you make the way. And I asked him to make it so clear that I would not be deceived then, for I truly believe that we're right at a crossroads of something to happen. I heard it prophesied this morning here by Brother Neville or David, where I knew it had, it had been a prophecy that he was referring to. Now, therefore, I have prayed for all you, and uh, I need you all to pray for me, so that the Holy Spirit will lead me just to exactly where I should go, what I should do, so I'll make no mistake. Amen. You see, many times people think that a prophetic gift that God just says, I'll pick you up right here and set you down here, and now you just go right over here. He doesn't tell you all those things. If he did, then what overcoming faith did you have? See? See, you, he lets you stand alone more than anybody else. See, you all can come to me and ask for certain things. And he's never failed yet for what he's going to get in. But I ain't asking for things for myself. And many times he just lets me alone. He just let me go ahead and walk into it. I have things now that I have to solve out myself and decisions I have to make. And this is such a vital one that I cannot exactly make it until I'm sure that it's him speaking to me. And I, I, he won't give me a vision. He just lets me alone. So I'm just sitting as an orphan like this morning. I, I don't know which way to turn. So I have committed to the Lord. I, I felt like then dreaming that I should come back here at the tabernacle and help Brother Neville until something else just occurred uh, along the road. So I'll be alone. I asked Brother Neville a few moments ago. How was the church progressing? And he said, good. And so I hear that you still have spiritual gifts and things among you, which is operating, gifts of prophecy and, and speaking with tongues and interpretation of tongues, which we just heard a few moments ago. And those things are edifying to the church and greatly. But I thought maybe tonight I might, if Brother Neville, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us to something different, tonight I would like to... Have a, you all, before you leave this morning, to write you a question later, some question in your mind, that we might find out what the church is thinking. That's about the way pastors yeah. are finding out just what's on the people's heart. And each one of you with a question, write it and lay it up here. If you do not have a piece of paper to, to get it on this morning, then write it tonight early. So I'd like to have just as much time as I could on them to look them over and scripturally answer you. Then... If the Lord is willing, if it be God's will, 
I have made a statement here not long ago that I'd like to speak to you on the seven last seals of the uh, of Revelation. Now, if we, I could not get all the way through those seals this year because it takes from the sixth chapter of Revelation to the through the nineteenth chapter to get through those seals. But the first three or four of them could be answered within a night. I think each seal being a night. Now, if we understand. See, where we stopped right on that book of Revelations where the church was taken up into glory, then the rest of it is dealing with the Jews, not with the church at all. It's dealing with the Jewish nation. Therefore, we have to drop back down from the rapture of the church and take, we see here what takes place during those seals and time of the Gentile church, the church being gone. And with the nation of Israel, it drops back and brings Israel from the time it left off with them up to the modern time and the coming Messiah, and they will receive the Messiah. Now you get it? The church is taken up. God dealt first with the church, church ages. We got that. Then the church is taken up into glory. Then the Holy Spirit goes back and gets Israel as a nation and brings it on down to this far while the wedding supper is going on and then brings them back again. At the end of that time, I'll have my blackboard up and be able to draw it out and teach it when the time comes. Then the Lord returns with the bride, and Israel sees her. Oh, what a time that will be. Now, before we can correctly tie this in, there's a great lesson that's a summer to theologians and many and teachers down through the age. And people of the Church of Christ and those who are coming to hear this, that is the seventy weeks of Daniel. We've got we can't go no farther in Revelation till we tie the bride and Israel together with the seventy weeks of Daniel. And maybe if God willing, so that if He should speak to me in the future to speak on some of these seventy weeks, or not seventy weeks, but seven last seals. Then next Sunday, I'll try to take Daniel 70 weeks. Uh, next Sunday, the Lord willing. And then that'll open the grounds then, if he should lead us to start on the others, while well, we'll find out from then on. Amen. Brother Neville and I will be working together on this and doing everything that we can for the benefit of the people. Amen. Now, going back, each time we pray for the sick, we always glad to do that, and I'll probably do it every meeting if people are sick to pray for them. I do not desire to have any more discernment. See, here's what happened. I've tried. I know I've done things that's wrong. But I have tried to live close enough to God, all the time to God. That's how these visions would happen, how they would take place. Even people lose things and call me up, ask me to go pray to the Lord, ask where is that, like uh, Jesse lost the mules, and the boys went out to find the prophet, and he told them where the mules had done return home. So forth like that. That is perfectly all right. But it gets so much of it, so many people, just out in a locality like this, it's worldwide. See? So it just gets keeps me so tore up and then keeping you right on the edge all the time. They got to a place, and that's what caused the brethren to get the doctrine started that I was the incarnated Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that that would just tear the ministry all peace and bring reproach upon Christ and everything, see? So actually, I had to give them a great shake to stop it right at once, let them know that that was not of God, that was of the devil, see? 
and the good people, and it showed those people who are born again of the Spirit of God because when they seen truth by the Scripture, they returned to God. Exactly. They immediately. Yeah. So that showed it was Satan trying to do something with the people. They were all godly Christian people. Yeah. And it made many of them say to me, Brother Brandon, we got more confidence in you now than we ever had. Because, yeah. so, see, what with the gift that God has given me, what could I have done with that? Yeah. So the nation at my feet are the people. What we call a nation is not cosmos out here, the the cannon fodder and so forth. I mean the Christians, the real believers. That's the cream of the... We speak of nation. We preach of the born-again people. Amen. That's what we talk of the nation. Not just everybody out here so filth and muck that we're living in the world. That's just... That's just dust of the earth is turning back. I'm talking about born-again Christians. People, real Christians. I'm waiting for a man to jump on me again about something. Someone come to me not long ago and said, the very idea of Christ sitting on the ground with his stick and making a cake and smear it over somebody's eye, said how filthy, dirty that was for him to spit with his spit out of his mouth, how unsanitary it was to spit in dirt and make mud cakes and put it over a man's eye. I said, but he'd come back seen. That's it. Now, that same man, he opened up a nudist camp up there by my place, you know, the uh, swimming pool. And, um, and that man's got a ticket for every one of his children to go down there and swim in that pool. And he and his wife goes too. In that pool, excuse me, my sister, were them women in there swimming. About a hundred of them or two every day. Women. All that filth and things and the women today and washing around in that water, that filth and dirt in their mouths and swallowing it and spitting it out. I just want him to jump on me. He said, if Christ was living, they'd have him arrested on account of that unsanitary thing. How about that? I'm sure you catch what I mean. Amen. Amen. They go right in that pool and many of them with disease, the syphilitic gondoria and everything else right in there and you're spitting it through your mouth and everything like that and washing around in there like that and... Amen. That's kind of scary. <laughs> so, oh my, this day we're living in, brother, sister, it's time for the coming of the Lord. <laughs> uh, the church has one hope, that's the coming of the Lord. <laughs> well, I cannot stop those things. Uh, there's no need. The Bible's unpredicted they'd be here. I cannot stop them, but I want my voice on record in heaven that I was against it. When the time comes for the judgment, I was against it. I still believe that this Bible is the Word of God, and there's nothing else in the world contrary to it can ever be. But this Bible here, this is is God's Word. So now, let's just pull in our our sails and anchor a while against the peaceful shore of the haven of rest and we can stay off tomorrow somewhere, but let's just anchor now and listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father as he would speak to us through his word we trust today. And tonight, now you get fixed up whatever little question you have about, now I'm not something that's going to harm someone. If you do that, then that's, I wouldn't answer that in the beginning. But uh, you, uh, something else to say, well now, if uh, I do a certain thing, does God say that we should do this? Or, you know, little questions on your heart. Or we have gifts are running with us, Brother Branham, and should we operate them this way or that way? Or what should we do? Something I can answer you back in the Scripture, you see. Uh, right on with something, I'd be glad. And if there's none, then I'll just take a subject of some sort and preach to you tonight. The Lord yeah. This is Sunday, and I've been, last Sunday I started to go over to Brother Cobbles. 
And I heard this church bell ring, and I just walked up and down the yard. I couldn't stand it. Amen. So I, I, I just had to come down. So now, let us just bow our heads down and speak to our Maker and then in a word of prayer. Has anybody a special request? Just raise up your hands. Just say, I just make it known. God knows what's on your heart. I just keep your request on your mind. Most holy God, who has created heavens and earth by the word of thy mouth, by the thoughts of thy mind, we are coming into thy presence through Jesus Christ our Lord to give thee thanks for all that you have done for us. And we're so grateful to you, Lord, this morning to know where we are standing, to know the position that we are in this morning, and the history of time and the future that's coming, knowing today that by the grace of God that we've been washed in the Calvary's blood that we are prepared with faith in our hearts to meet him if he should come today. We should say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And we see the sin heaping up until it seems like the world staggers under the impact of sin. How that drinking and gambling and carousing and lewdness and all gods of filth and dirt and muck of the people and how they, if they could just realize, Lord, does those people who dresses like that in those little old ungodly clothes and get out there on the street, do they realize that they're nothing but bugs and dust? That maybe in another week the bugs will be eating that body that they're so glorified? Do they realize that the canker worms will eat it up? And their soul will be yonder in an eternity without God, without Christ, without a hope, sinking in deep despair to be simply annihilated at his coming? Oh God, give us voices of, of warning that we might warn every soul of this danger that they're approaching. Be with us today. Give us words of wisdom. As Solomon once said in the Ecclesiastes, that we would be wise uh, builders, that uh, we'd be the shepherds of this assembly. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek out words to say that they would be, they would be masterpieces that would catch the heart that's so in need here this morning. We have not come and gathered under this hot roof today just to be seen. But we have come here because we love you and because we are desiring to hear from you. You are our lover that we love and we desire to hear words from thee. We are grateful for what we have already heard. It will long stay with us. Now give us the potion that you have for us today as we wait further on thee. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> now, if...
We know that Israel has always been a historical example of the church. Because Israel was the people of God until they came out of uh, Egypt, and then they were the church of God because they were uh, separated from the rest of the world. And when we are separated from the rest of the world, then we become the church. But as long as we are entangled with the rest of the world, then we are not in the church. Amen. Now, I trust that that goes real deep, catches its place. See, we are not the church until we are separated from the world. Separate ourselves. Come out from among the people, the unclean. Deal not with them. And be not partakers of their sins. Yoke not up with the unbelievers, but separate yourself from the things of the world. And when Israel was in Egypt, they were the people of God. Then when they was called out or had the exodus coming out, then they were called the church because it was then they separated themselves from the rest of the world. And the very word church means called out. Exodus, come out. Each one of us as Christians has had an exodus in our lives. We had a time where we were called out from amongst our associates, called out from amongst the people that we once fellowshiped with, and become a different people, to walk with a different people, that acted a different way, and talked a different way. It was an exodus in our lives. Very fine example Israel gave us of when God called them out, they had an exodus and came out from amongst the, the peoples of the world and become a separated nation unto God, a peculiar people. Amen. They walked under the shadows of the mercy seat. They lived and walked by the great pillar of fire and God brought them from Egypt to the land that he had promised. And in this exodus, they were given a spiritual leader, a leader which was Moses, a great anointed prophet that was uh, a great man. He was a godly man. He was born a godly man. God called him from his mother even before that time God ordained him before the foundation of the world to be a leader to that generation to bring this exodus to the people. Here some time ago I spoke to the little children here in the tabernacle and had a little uh, sermon for them and told to give a little illustration of how uh, Josebel, how she prayed, her and Amram, the father of Moses, about uh, doing something about delivering the people. And Amram saw the vision of God standing or an angel pointing towards the north. and told him what would take place, and the little Moses was born, and they feared not the commandments of the king, or the threat. They know that God had his hand on Moses, and that settled it. Amen. No matter what the king said, what the political world said, what anything else said, they know God had his hand on Moses. So they wasn't scared to turn him loose right in the midst of the crocodiles, when they were all just fat on little Hebrew children with it fed him out there to the crocodiles, and yet 
Moses was put right in the little ark and sent right out among the crocodiles. Right out among them. Because they didn't fear nothing. They know that God had his hand on Moses. Well, now, if we could just know that same thing that our great leader, the Holy Spirit, God has sent him. And he's our leader. No matter what the world says and how much they laugh at you and make fun of you, we follow our leader. God sent the Holy Spirit to be our leader. See? A little while in the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. For I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. So our great leader is with us, the Holy Spirit. Now we must follow this leader and do just as he says do. And this leader will never take us from the path. He'll keep us right in the path of the Scripture all the time. But he'll never uh, go to one side for something and this side for something. He'll stay right straight in the road of the Scripture. And Moses had a course that he was to take Israel and follow them right across the Red Sea, right across Jordan, right into the Promised Land, right out through the wilderness. It wasn't Moses got out of line. It wasn't God out of line. It was the people out of line that caused the trouble. So let us think of these things now. Pardon me. Moses, this anointed leader, finally, when he had showed to the people by signs and wonders that God alone could do, he performed these signs and wonders before the elders of Israel and before Israel until they were satisfied that this Moses was the anointed one that was to take them out of this country to that goodly land that they had been promised. Amen. <clears throat> then when they seen these great things that Moses did in the name of God, they were willing to follow him. And he, taking them out, led them through the Red Sea, crossed over his own dry land, and into the wilderness turn, which means a time of testing. When a fellow receives Christ as his Savior, everything is on the housetop. But before this man can come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this person, he must first have a sanctifying process. He must have a testing time in his life. All of you had it. Amen. He had this testing time. Every son that cometh to God is first scourged, chastened, chastised. And if we cannot stand chastisement, then it shows we're not children of God. We are bastards and not children of God, the Bible says. But if we can stand the chastisement, knowing that all things work together for good to them that love God, then we are sons and daughters of God. Then he seals us with the Holy Spirit until the day of our redemption. That's the chastisement, the strain, the thing we go through. And Israel, as a historical type, had to take this chastisement. Now, when they were down in Egypt... And God sent Moses, and he stretched forth the rod, and fleas and lice come on the ground. He stretched forth towards the sun, and it went down. He stretched it over the waters, and they turned to blood. Why, Israel was over in Can, over in, um, in Goshen, just having a glorious time. The sun never went down. The plagues never struck them. Why, they were just having a glorious time. Just like you did when you first got saved. Everything the birds sang different and everybody was sweet and oh my, how everything just was dandy when you first got saved. Then come the trying time, the chasing, sanctifying time, sanctifying yourself from things of the world, 
laying aside the weight that does the easy beset you. You, a man, had to stop your smoking, stop your drinking, stop your going to the pool room, your all-night card parties. All those things, you had to sanctify yourself from them by the faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sanctifying yourself. You women had to let your hair grow out, lengthen your dresses, and act like uh, different than what you was. Sanctifying time. Many times they'd rebel and go back. Well, that's not a child of God, see. A child of God looks straight to Calvary and knows that it's for his good. So then, that process of time, that's where the great falling away come in Israel. When this great crowding in time, then the people begin to fall away from one side to the other. Then they're chanting, well, we wish we were back down in Egypt. Our souls blow up this light bread. In other words, if I take it historically now, that's what they said. Now in the modern day it would be, oh, every Wednesday night, prayer meeting, every Sunday morning, back to the church. What do we hear? The same thing. Preachers set up priests. Songs go on back. See? Then you're just going as a line of duty. You're not a worshiper. A worshiper goes there to worship, to express himself before his God, to praise God for his goodness, to every word he hangs on to it. Just like a love affair. If you was going with a girl because you knew it was a duty, or you going with a boy when you were young, Mama wants me to go with this guy, but I just can't stand him. You don't get nothing of him coming to see you. Or if it's the same way about the girl to the boy, or boy to the girl. You go with her, she bores you. Mama wants you to go with her because she's the type of girl that Mama likes. See, it bores She's no love affair. But you don't care. You don't want to clean up. You don't want to go see her. It's a, well, it's a horrible thing. And when he's coming to see you, my, you just wish you'd hurry on and go home. That's the same way it is when you, why does he preach so long? What about all this stuff? Everything, see, you're not in love. But when you really hang on to every word, as the Spirit gave you warning this morning, see, hanging on to every word, that might be what he's been talking to you about. Holding on. It's eternal life. Every word of God. It's a joy to go to church yes. under any circumstance. Whether it's hot, cold, any different, whether the people are fussing, growling, whatever they're doing, it's Amen. still a joy to hear the word of the Lord. And you're in love then with Christ. See? You love to go to church. Well, honey, here Sunday morning again. I guess we have to wash up the young and get down there. My boresome. See? You're not in love. But if you're really in love, you just can't wait till Sunday morning comes. Amen. You just got to get down there with it. And we get, and the, lead, the people of God, they don't bore you while they're, they're brothers and sisters. Yes. As I used to say, you get as thick as sardine molasses on a cold morning. It, it don't run. It just stays right. together, you know, claims time. Right. Now that's a rude expression, but it's, it, it's trying to let you know what I mean. You, see. you stick together. Yes. And the colder it gets, the tighter they stick. And that's the way it ought to be with us. The colder, when the earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. And what we love each other is not because that we're somebody, but it's the Christ in one another that we love, you see. It's the God that's in our beings that we love. Now, we love to come together. As we used to sing the old hymn, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. See? The fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers. 
our fears, our hopes, our aims, our one, our comforts, and our cares. Yes, sir. When one had a blessing, we're all happy about it. When one's sad, we're sad with him. We, we want to all be together. Now, that's the way we're supposed to be, and that's the way Israel was supposed to be, but it becomes burdensome. All this old light bread, angels' bread. Well, what do we care about this old light bread? Our souls lost this stuff, and everything's wrong, and, and this old manna that falls down every night, while well, we'd rather have some garlic and leek out of Egypt. You see, their hearts wasn't ready for the journey. And when a man or a woman begins to complain about going to church, they get so tired of going to church, they're not ready for the journey. Right. There's something wrong somewhere. Oh, when you love God and thinking you're going to heaven and all of you are going together, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, what blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on his everlasting arm. What a, we sing those hymns, we share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other throws a sympathizing tear. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart. I hope to meet again at the next prayer meeting time. Yes, sir. Still joining in heart. Now you're getting ready for the journey. See? You're ready for the going to the promised land, the testing time. There's the danger ground, the wilderness, the testing time. Israel in her testing time, she got to quarreling and fussing with one another and loathing over the bread and they wanted to go back to Egypt and then they begin to complaining about their leader. Oh, there was a afraid that he was leading them astray after he had shown himself to be a leader. And God had proved that he was the leader. Well, maybe we've acted a little bit fanatically and, and uh, maybe we've got on a fall on the wrong foot or something like that. See, they were chatting against God and against Moses, God and his leader. Now, when we get to a place in, I don't know where the word means this or not, and I don't know about the Holy Spirit. I'm a little bit skeptic of that. I know others that, are, well, go on to Egypt, see? But if you're really determined to stay on the road, Amen. stay right with the leader of the Holy Spirit, stay right with the Word, and if you stay with the Spirit, it'll keep you in the Word. That's right. It'll take you right down along the line, the path of the Word. And don't be afraid of it. It won't hurt nothing. It'll just help you if you are hurt. It'll heal all the hurt. The Holy Spirit Now, we find out that along this road, after they got like this, they come to a place of Horeb. And um, H-O-R-E-B, Horeb. Then we find out, let's break that name down. That's where the, the name Horeb means a dry place or a desert. And when we get out of fellowship with one another in the church and out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it brings us to a dry place, a desert, nothing alive, everything got stickers on it, see? A, a desert, a little piece of cactus without a sticker on it. Did you know what that is? That's a precious little tender leaf that hasn't had no water. It just wound itself up so tight to the sticker. And when you see somebody like that, maybe it's a precious soul that could have been watered right, would have been a tender little leaf or something. But instead of that, it's wound itself up to the sticker, just punching at everything, you know, finding fault. Only thing it needs is just water. 
That's all. Yeah. It's just a, it just needs a, a revival, a, a breaking up, a refreshing from the Lord. It'll, it'll unfold its little self if you'll just put it to the water. But that's where them who live in that place has to suffer with the conditions of that place. And those who desire to live in that kind of an atmosphere of where everything's just punching and fussing and quarreling and stewing like that, well, you just live under that atmosphere, that's all. But we don't have to live there. It's not necessary for us to stay there. Now, this Horeb was a place where God was discouraged with the people because they had wandered into this place and had gotten this condition, and he brought them right around to it because they wouldn't walk in the path. They got off the main road, got off over on this side road, and then it caused God to do something that was terrifically. He caused God to have Moses to take the judgment rod that he had judged the nation with and smite the rock to bring forth water. Now, there's a beautiful lesson here if we could just get it, see? And because that we get so out of cater, world-bound and things, it caused God to take the judgment of the world and smite his own son with it at Calvary that we might go free. You see what I mean? Now, in order to get these people to some water, as they got over there, this dry place was made of Calvary. And there God told Moses, he said, take the rod and the elders and go forth and I will stand on the rock before you. And this rock was Christ. And Moses, with the rod that he had brought judgment upon the nation of Israel, took this same rod and smote the judgments of God upon the rock. See, he took the sins of the people onto this rod, which he should have smote the people. Instead of smiting the people, he smote the rock. And the rock, to a work of God, brought salvation, brought water to a perishing people. It brought life to a dying people. Amen. And that's what God did by taking his, his wand of a judgment rod and winding my sins and your sins around this rod when it should have struck us. But it struck Christ. That from him come forth waters, which means spirit. The Holy Spirit came forth from him to give us life. Amen. Now we have eternal life. Now, that rock was Christ. Now, we want to notice, I have seen so many intellectual drawings of this rock. I've seen one of the most critical ones not long ago, to where there was a, a little rock laying up on top of a hill, and, and uh, Moses was supposed to have smitten this rock, and Israel was down there with a teacup, uh, getting them a drink out of a little sprinkle that fell down out of this rock. Now, that is just somebody's idea. But when this rock brought forth its waters, there were over two million people besides the ox and camels and everything else that drank in tubs of water from it. Hey. It was a gushing stream that come forth out of there. That's the way they try to make Christ the Holy Spirit today. It's just a little sprinkle. See, just enough to make you believe that there is a God. No, it is the abundance of water. David said, my cup runs over. It's just a gusher of the Holy Spirit. 
people are afraid of it. Some people say, well, I'm just a little afraid I will do this or that if I happen to go a little too keen. I can show you someone went a little too far, but she never knew parts of that one that didn't go far enough. See? It's not about the ones that didn't go far enough. Now, we have had some people that got into the flesh and got off on the wrong foot, and, and uh, not God, but the people, got because of not good leadership and so forth, got them off on the wrong foot, and they went into fanaticism, and then the whole world, the devil points them, see that? See that? Yeah. Well, let me stand this morning and point back to these tens of millions times more that never even made a start. What about them? Amen. Look at their condition. Look at a guy like Eichmann today. With the highest, they say the Pentecostals are unethical and unscooped and they're not educated and so forth like that. Look at Eichmann, one of the highest educated men in the world. And he put to death six million children and women and men. Six million souls. You don't want to point to somebody like that. But some little fellow that couldn't read hardly called maybe uh, some name of the Bible wrong and uh, maybe said something or did something wrong or made some mistake. The newspapers wants to write it up everywhere and say there's not to be trusted. Then if that cannot be trusted, why not education and the things and intellectual that they have today? Look at Adolf Hitler. Look at the brains of the world today. Yeah. Look at them. Oh, yeah. The old saying is sauce for the goose is for the gander. The thing you have to do is be able by the Holy Spirit to divide what's right and wrong. Amen. And take what is right and wrong. Now, we find out that this Calvary that they had and the waters of life gushed forth for the people. Now, some people have upon their hearts and minds that all Israel drank and then they packed up the camels and tied their hitches on their horses and so forth and took their kids and journeyed on into somewhere else and left the rock there sprinkling. That is wrong. That rock followed them and that water followed them. Now in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, I'll be in the 11th verse, you can find it, that that rock followed Israel. Wherever they went from that day henceforth, the rock went with them and the waters followed them. What a beautiful type and a a beautiful hope and an anchor for the believer today that knows that that rock that was once smitten, that water that once poured forth from Calvary goes with us wherever we are. Oh, my. It's not going back to a certain place and say, well, we did have water day before yesterday over there. We got water today right here because that rock was Christ and Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That rock followed Israel. They never followed the rock, but the rock followed them. Amen. Amen. Israel went on their journey. They had but one thing to do, that's keep the straight course right straight on into the promised land, and the rock and the water followed them. Amen. The rock followed them. First Corinthians tells you so, the 10th chapter. All right, that rock was Christ. God took the judgments of the people and placed them upon Christ and smote him. Did you notice there was a cleft in the rock from then on? The rock had a cleft in it where Moses smoked. And Christ had a cleft. When he was smitten, he was wounded for our transgressions, and with his stripes we were healed. Amen. From that life come forth the waters of life that we so enjoy today. Now, in order to obtain this life, remember, the life of Christ stays with the church. Amen. 
Can tell you in 20 years 
wisdom now, or fifty years from now, just exactly the sun and moon will pass one another. Amen. When it turns the twenty-four hour circle and it turns this time around the orbit for seasons, it does not miss a tick. Amen. Hallelujah. It's perfectly because it's running according to the law of God. They know just exactly when that tide will go out, just to the minute, because they know what time the moon drops. And God's got everything set in order by law. And when that moon goes down, away goes the tide with it. When that moon comes up, here comes the tide with it. And they know exactly the timing when that moon will go down. They can put it on an almanac calendar for years ahead. And tell you to the minute when that tide will start dropping. That large body of light. And I stood there and I thought, how many miles is it across this great strait of water here? And then after I crossed Lake uh, uh, Superior, I would come into Michigan, almost an equal body of water. And to there, from Lake Superior to Lake uh, Michigan, from Lake Michigan to Lake Ontario, and Huron, and all the lakes together. How many billions, times billions, times billions, and innumerable barrels of fresh water lays within that lake. And yonder in Nevada, and in Arizona, New Mexico, Eastern California, lays millions of acres of parched, burning ground that's so fertile that if that water could ever get on that ground, this nation could feed the world out any hungry people and have surplus to throw in the sea. Yeah. Right. The millions of acres that would grow tons, tons, millions of tons of potatoes and cabbage and beans and, and lettuce and radishes and celery and cucumbers and what more. The ground would grow and it's, it's just longing for the water. And here's the water up here and here is the ground down here. Now we can see it and we know it would do it because we can test the water and see it's fresh and test the soil and see it's fertile. Now all the wishing that we can do will never put them together. But there is a law and that law is gravitation. Now, if we work according to gravitation, we could water every bit of that land, taking the water from the lakes and watering it. But we'll have to work according to the law of gravitation. We can't wish it out there. We can't scream it out there. We can't holler it out there. We've got to work according to the laws of gravitation to get it there. God puts everything in a law. Here. I was thinking, I don't know whether they ever told you this or not. I was down in Kentucky squirrel hunting with Brother Wood about a year ago. And uh, we, the squirrels were kind of scarce, and so we went over to a fellow's house to find out about hunting. A man had several acres of ground. And on this ground, there was uh, much wood. But Brother Wood told me that the man is an infidel. He's, he's an unbeliever. So he said that he knew him, so he or his father knew him. He'd go over and ask if we could have permission to go hunting. We drove up to the gentleman's place, and he and another man, both of them in their 70s, they were sitting under an apple tree. And uh, Mr. Wood went into this man, and he said to him, uh, uh, could uh, I hunt a little bit on your place? And he said, well, he said, all right. He said, uh, what wood are you? Are you Jim Wood's boy? He said, I am. 
He said, well, if old Jim was honest and so forth and said, you can hunt anywhere you want to on my place. i got so many hundred acres here. Help yourself. Go down them hollers wherever you want to. Just make yourself at home. I sit in the car because I thought the preacher and infidel wouldn't go good together if we was going to ask the favor of the infidel. So then I, after a while, Brother Wood said, well, now, could, uh, I'll have my pastor with me. I guess it'd be all right for him to come along. And this old man turned around on his cane and he said, Wood, do you mean to tell me that you stoop so low you have to have a preacher with you wherever you go? And so uh, that, uh, I thought, I, for that, I'd better get out of the car. So I got out of the car and talked to the old gentleman a few minutes, and he let me know right quick that he didn't have much use for preachers because he thought they were talking about something that they didn't know nothing about. He said, they just laid out of something they don't know nothing about. Well, he said, when a man talks to me, I want him to know what he's talking about. Now, that's good sense. Amen. That's Amen. good sense. Amen. He said, if a man talks to me, I don't want him to talk on some, uh, something, another supposition that he knows nothing about. I want him to speak something that he knows what he's talking about. Well, I honored that. I respected that in the old gentleman. And so uh, I said, well, of course, that's every fellow to his own opinion. And uh, he said there was one preacher that come here in this country a few years ago that had a meeting over at Acton. And he said, uh, this preacher one night, being a stranger in the country, said to uh, a lady that was sitting in the audience, you have a handkerchief in your pocket, and you're Mrs. So-and-so, and you have a sick sister over on the hill here, her name is so-and-so, she's dying with cancer in the stomach. And said, take this handkerchief and lay it on your sister and tell her, thus saith the Lord, she's not going to die but live. He said, this same woman was a friend of ours. And said, we took this woman, uh, this handkerchief, up uh, this man to the person first. He said, this woman, wife, and I have been up there morning and tucked, waited on this woman. And she was so bad, the doctors gave her up long ago. She was so bad that we had to move her in a sheet. Lift her up to put her on the bed, pan, take her back. Turn her in the sheets. She was so bad. And said one night over there, there come a noise like they had somebody had died. That was Ben over there with that handkerchief. Take it over there. It was you. Amen. It was Brother Ben over there. Getting that handkerchief because he tucked the woman over there. And said the next morning she was eating fried apple pie. And said she don't only does her own work, but she does the neighbor's work. <laughs> she did so well. All right. He said, now, I've often wondered if I ever seen that preacher, he knew what he was speaking about, said, I, I'd like to talk with him. Brother Woods looked over to me, I looked over to him, standing there, dirty and sweaty and filthy, been camping in the woods, and, and squirrel blood all over us. And so I said, well, I said, is, um, you mean that you could talk to this fellow and he'd tell you how he done that? He said, yes, sir, that's what I mean. I said, well, that's, that's a good thing. I was eating one of his apples, little old yellow jackets that's getting on him there, you know, in fall of the year in August. So I had this little apple and I was eating on it. And I said, that's a very good apple. I said, uh, how long has that tree been there? Oh, he said, I planted that tree there 30 or 40 years ago or something. Said, yes, sir. I said, I would just like to ask you a question. I said, how in the world I see those apples have dropped off that tree and its leaves are dropping off. And here it is only in the middle of August. And I said, we haven't had not even a cool spell. We haven't even had a frost or anything. And yet, 
Them leaves are dropping off of that tree. Why is that? He said, the staff has left the tree. Oh. I said, where did it go to? He said, down in the roots. And I said, then, how long will it stay down there? He said, till spring. And I said, then it will come back up and bring you up new leaves for a shade, new apples to eat. He said, that's right. Exactly right. I said, well, I want to ask you something, sir. You talk about these fellows that don't know what they're talking about. I said, could you explain to me what intelligence makes that sap leave that tree? If it stayed there through the winter, the tree would die. It killed the tree, the germ of ice that sap. So I said, it would kill the tree. What intelligence makes that sap go out of that tree down into the roots and stay until springtime and then come back up again and bring some more apples? I said, put water in a bucket and set it on a post and see if in August it'll go down to the bottom of the post and come back up in springtime. I said, there is some law. There is a law of nature. Some intelligence set this law in order. Not only that, but that same intelligence has to operate that law. That runs it down into the root of the tree and comes back. He said, I never had thought of that. I said, can you, if you can ever find out the intelligence that makes that sap go from that tree limb down into the roots and come back, that's the same intelligence that told me over there that night, go put that handkerchief on the woman. He said, if you're that preacher, I said, yes, sir, that is right. Last year I was over, he's gone away. And when his widow was sitting on the porch, peeling apples off that same tree, brother, first is going to run us out. They didn't know who we were. And I went and told her about it, that we had permission from him and told her about it, that he made a full confession of Christ before he died. You see, what does that tree, what intelligence runs that down? It's a law. It's a law that God has set in order. And that law is God's law that will take care of the subject. Amen. You know, I don't care how much you cry and say, Say, no, it ain't going to, the sun ain't going to shine more this summer. It'll shine anyhow. How about you going to say, I, I ain't going to let nighttime come. It'll come anyhow. Because this thing that we live on called the world is controlled by a law of God. Amen. Now, brethren and sisters, I want to ask you something. That is, we are born again of the Spirit of God. God don't have little weak parts and big strong parts. He's altogether God. Amen. And if you had enough of God in you, so just bury a shadow. That's enough power to make a new earth. Amen. That's enough power to make a new moon and a new system. Hallelujah. It's God. And it's strong. And right now, every believer in here has Life eternal, which is God's Spirit in you. Amen. Or the power that will raise up the dead, that will heal the sick, that will set arbitrary and conditions. But it's controlled by law. That Spirit that's in you, you are sons and daughters of God. That same Spirit that you've got in you will raise yourself up at the Amen. day of resurrection. Hallelujah. Jesus, when He was here on earth, when he died, his soul descended into hell and preached to the spirits that were in prison. The souls in prison that repented not the long suffering of the days of Noah. 
His body went into the grave. But before he died, he commanded his spirit into the hands of God. His spirit went to God. His soul went to hell. And his body went to the grave. And Jesus was barred out from resurrection until the scripture could be fulfilled. He could not come back because he had to stay in the grave for three days and nights. But when the scripture was all fulfilled, this bar was taken away. His spirit descended to his soul, his soul to his body, and he rose again. Amen. Hallelujah. And when we die, our souls will go under the altar of God. What I was privileged to see a few mornings ago, as you know in the vision, what the Bible speaks of, our spirits will go to God who giveth, and our body shall return to the dust of the earth. But someday, when the scripture is fulfilled, our spirits will be released from God, will pick up the soul and the soul to the body, and the power that raises up is right in us now. We are now in heavenly places. We are now in the resurrection. Hallelujah. If there was a law to that, sons and daughters of God would create them a world like you're going to live a private life on it. You have the power in you to do it. If you've got a shadow of the power of God in you, you've got power to do it. God is omnipotent. You know what I mean? The power that's in you will make you can speak a world into existence and go live on it. Hallelujah. There you are. That's what power is in the church now. But it is controlled by a law. And that law is not keeping a bunch of commandments. It's a law of faith. Amen. Jesus said all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. And if you can't believe it, whatever God will lead your soul to believe, that is yours. Every place the throne of your foot can set up on by faith, God gives it to you. Amen. Amen. It's yours. You possess it. If you can find the key to this law of faith that opens it to you. You see what I mean? That power is controlled by you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. That never leaves you. It's with you all the time. But your faith gets away from it. But it's still there. When you are saved, God gives you faith to rise from the muck of the earth. Your faith overcomes the things of the world. What is your faith? Your faith is that act that God has did in you to make you a son of God. You quit your lying, you quit your stealing, you quit your drinking. Because your faith rises you up above. Amen. If you don't do it, you don't have any faith. And by faith are you saved in that true grace? As much as your faith will be released, that's how much power you can have. Because in you dwell the power to make heavens and earth. God dwells in you. And you are sons and daughters of God. Amen. There you are. But it's your faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Verily I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt. But believe that what you have said. Then what kind of people are we to be? Having faith in this great redeeming Christ that lives in us, this smitten rock, that never leaves the church. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Forever 
Lord's voice from Calvary. Hallelujah. The ever presence of the living God. The great flowing, smitten rock that goes with us in our journey. Israel lost her faith. They got off the path. They began to lust for the flesh pot. If they had stayed with faith and believing that God was going to take them to the land, there would have been nothing hinder them. They'd already opened up seas. They'd smoked plagues upon their enemies. They'd crucified their enemies behind them and walked over into the land and still couldn't have faith to go on to the promise. Joshua and Caleb had that faith. They said we were more than able to conquer anything that would come before us. That's the trouble with the church. We can conquer every disease. We got the power in us. We are sons and daughters of God. Nothing can stand before us. Uh, Only thing he wants to find somebody who will believe it. Who will believe what God's already done for you. That we will be, we are now. And the ever living presence of the Spirit is with us. Amen. There you are. That's what I mean. When I spoke of the subject this morning, the ever-present water from the rock. The ever-present water from the rock is right here now. Amen. The ever-present water from that smitten rock of Calvary, when the Holy Ghost came out of him on Calvary, Amen. and come back on the church on the day of Pentecost, that same Holy Ghost is present this morning. Amen. And it's given us the promise. That's the reason walking before the sick people, when he commissioned me yonder, I believe it. Amen. God said so. That's how visions happen. God promised that God came out. Amen. Amen. Believe it. You've got to believe it. You've got to be something there to open that damper. Open that thing to let you in on it. What we need today is not pray for more power. You've got enough power to make a new earth. What you need is faith to use that power. What you need is control that life and live such a godly life that when you ask God anything, you know we have confidence in God of that. We know if we keep His commandments, He'll withhold no good thing from us. We walk with Him. God, walking with us. Oh, my. They have the one thing to do. They have the one thing to do. That's stay straight on the course. Not wander off over here and wander off over there, but stay on the course. The church has got the one thing to do. Stay on the course. They had a pillar of fire that they had to keep themselves in course by. Follow that pillar of fire. That's what led them. Their object they could see was that pillar of fire. They seen it working through Moses. And they know that he was the leader. Today, we got the Word. We follow the Word. And we see the Word working in the believers. And we know it so, man. God working with us, confirming the word with signs following. We stay with the word. The word produces the result. They stayed with the Moses because the pillar of fire, Moses followed that, and they followed when they get to turn against Moses and fuss against God against Moses. They got wandering off to one side and the other. Trouble's coming. Sure. We stay with the word, and the word produces signs. Jesus said, These signs shall follow that, that believe the word. See, it stays with the, you stay with the Word, the Word produces the sign. But Moses, what did he do? They wandered off, and what did they do? Wandered off the path, and they lost their water supply. I think that's what the church has done today. It's wandered off the path of the Scripture. They got off onto ism. 
They've got off onto little things that they should not do. They adopted things. They adopted things like an apostle's creed. Where do you find that in the Bible? They adopted catechisms that they read. They adopted denominations instead of an experience. They adopted shaking hands instead of a born-again experience. They adopted sprinkling instead of water baptism. They adopted an evil form, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, when there's no such a thing in the Bible. The Bible said in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one thing to do if you want that same water. Come back to the path again. Amen. Get back on the... He has left. He's still here. Amen. You take creed in a sin of Christ. You wander off on tantrums. One said, I'm a Methodist. Another said, I'm a Baptist. That shows you're not a Christian man. We are Christ. We belong to Him. You say, well, me a Baptist, if that's all you are, then you're none of Christ. You're a Baptist. You say, well, I'm Pentecostal. If you're just Pentecostal by denomination, that's all you are. But if you've got the Pentecostal experience, and the Pentecostal word will bring forth the Pentecostal experience. Amen. Follow the same thing those disciples did. Stay up there. Until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And then if that you get contrary to the Word, that Spirit in you goes contrary to what the Word says, then it isn't the Holy Spirit. It's the devil impersonating the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You see what we got on it? Well, some of us spoke with tongues. We had shouting spells and things like that, and denied all these other things. We suffered everything that wasn't in the Scripture to come into the church. Where we got to today, we're back to another desert, dried up organization. We organized and lost our water. That's exactly what Pentecost did. When it began to organize and began to break up fellowship, it's saying, well, now, we won't associate. If this guy believes that, go ahead and stay with him until he comes to the word of uh, truth, the knowledge of truth. Whatever it is, let it go anyhow. Just go on and be brothers. But, oh, we had to organize and say, well, because you're not one this, because you're not two this or three this or like this, we won't have no fellowship with you. Then when we do that, what do we do? We bring ourselves right back to a desert again. That's right. But remember, when Israel wanted off of the path, the course to the promised land, the rock never left them. It stayed right there. So did the water. So did the Holy Spirit. It's staying right there. We don't have to wonder back. Now, here God teaches us a great thing. God teaches us here a lesson. Christ was smitten once, giving us a Pentecostal experience one time for all. Now, when that rock was smitten, it did not have to be smitten again. It was only smitten once. Moses made a mistake but smiting it the second time, showing the weakness of his faith in the atonement. Amen. But when Christ was smitten, once he only had to be smitten again. Well, what was Moses doing? Moses had set up something new, trying to make a new thing. And that's the way our clergyman has done today. They try to make something new. We'll make ourselves the assemblies of God. We'll make ourselves the Pentecostal Church of God. We'll make ourselves the General Council. We'll make ourselves this, that, or the other. That's not what God did. That wasn't his idea. Christ was smitten once. That's the original experience. That's the original way. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We sprinkle in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, give all kinds of creeds and everything else about it. When we get off the word, no wonder we can't get nowhere. Amen. God teaches us a lesson. Moses wasn't supposed to say, now, we'll start a new something here now, and we'll organize and we'll make the Catholic Church. That's the first thing he done. No, then after a while, well, we'll start something new off that, and we'll make the Lutheran. Then come the Anglican, and then the Baptists, and the what more? Camelites, and Church of Christ, and Antichrist, and 
all other things, see? They all started going, one after the other one. One after the other, making denominations and organizations. That wasn't it. See, they're, what they're doing, they're smacking the rock again to start something new. We don't need a new doctrine. Never in the Bible was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Every man in the Bible has got the Holy Ghost come God's way exactly the way God performed it. Amen. They did the same thing. They had the same experience. The same signs followed and the same works followed. Them. Why? They lived by the law. They got the same water. And today, the reason we got so many creeds and denominations is because we're starting something new. We don't need nothing new. Go back. Moses wasn't supposed to smite the rock again and start something new. He was supposed to speak to them of the original rock. Moses was supposed to speak of the original smitten rock. Not trying to smite it again. Not trying to start a new thing. But to speak to the old thing. God help me. If I die of pottery in the pulpit, I'll speak of the original rock. I'll speak of the original experience. I'll speak of the original scriptures that gave them the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The ever-presence of the flowing waters from the rock is still with us. It'll bring forth the same thing. It'll bring forth vision. It'll bring forth healing. It'll bring forth prophecies. It'll bring forth everything that they did. When Israel got lined back up in the Scriptures again and got back on the road, they went on to the Promised Land, but it taken them 40 years. Uh, Pentecost has been about 40 or 50 years wandering around the wilderness. Uh, Come back to the rock. This is sight. Here it is, written right here on the Word. The Holy Spirit's here performing the same thing He always did. Yes, so the ever presence of the water is here. Just come back to it. Come back to the farmer. The original. How was it in the original? Well, they shook hands with the preacher. No such a thing. They baptized him the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's no such a thing. There's no persons in the Bible anywhere outside, 300 years outside the Bible, was ever baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's a Catholic creed. Not a Bible doctrine. They had the Holy Spirit. These signs follow them that believe. It'll do it again today. That rock is just as ever living as it ever was. That smitten rock. Listen, I say, well, now you come over and join our Pentecostal church. Get in our Pentecostal rim. No, you come over and join the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterian or the Catholic. What is that? That's smiting the rock over again. Try to start something new. Don't repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and these times shall follow them that believe. Now you're back on the road. Back to the same water. The same water will give the same refreshment. It'll give the same scourge to the body. It'll give the same cleansing power. It'll give the same healing power. It'll do the same thing it did then if we want to get back to the same spirit. Life in a great Bible brings forth great. If it did last year, it'll bring the same thing this year. That's the law of God. The law of God is that if this is a grapevine, leave it alone. It'll produce grapes. You can interbreed it with something else, but then leave it alone. It'll come right back to the same grapes again. So we've interbred the church with Pentecostalism, with Baptistism, with Methodism, with Presbyterianism, with, with Anglicanism, and every other kind of ism. Won't you leave it alone? Come back to the vine. It'll come back to the same power. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I like that. Start something new. Same thing we've done. Not trying to show our authority. 
Dr. So-and-so is the founder of the great so-and-so church of the so-and-so-so. That wasn't it. That's what Moses said. I'll show my eyes to you. I'll bring it anyhow. I suppose it didn't come here. Over again. Show what I can do. God dealt with him for that. Yeah, Don't you think if you just hold on to some denomination, God will deal with you for that. Right. Exactly right. You've got to come back to that original. Come back. Just speak to the people all the time. You come join our church. You come say our creed. You come back and repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost if your heart's right. And these signs will follow the believers. The group of believers, these signs will go because why? The rock, the smitten rock and his waters of life is coming right forth, producing the same thing that it is. Just can't help it. Oh, yes. We want to show off and say we're Methodists and Baptists. Just speak to the rock. He's ever present. Don't try to join it. I had John down here. Don't try to join it. You can't join this. That's one thing, sure. You can join the Methodists. You can join the Baptists. You can join the Pentecostals. You can join the Anglicans. But you can't join this. No. You have to be filled with it. Don't join it. Just be filled with it. That's all. It's filled with what? Filled with power. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with life. Filled with joy. Peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where the everlasting presence is there. Remember, I'll have to close because it's getting deep. But remember, that rock never left them. It never did leave them. And Christ will never leave us. Christ said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. Is that right? Yes, amen. And that rock stayed with them all the way from Parker to Nebo. It did. Down to the yard, it was still there. Oh, God. I want to see it at the Jordan. Hallelujah. Moses, when he had at the Jordan, the rock was with him all the way through. He's standing up there looking down to a bunch of people who had backslidden and gone away from God. His heart was yearning for them. And he looked over Jordan. There he was at the Jordan. Jordan spiritual, I'm talking about. And there was that death was coming up his sleeve. But it was laying there, but started there lay the rock. He just stepped over on the rock and the angels come packed him away. Hallelujah. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. No matter how hard the times get, how old we get, what kind of death we die, remember, the rock will be there at Jordan. It'll never leave or never will forsake. Just remember that. The ever presence of the water from the rock will be with us all down through life and even at the Jordan. That's our hand. But you know, it's present. Look at it working everywhere. He's moving around. 
moving upon the people. That's the ever presence of the water. That's salvation. That the Spirit that runs their cups to a place where they can't hold their teeth any longer. Something has to come forth. And you don't know him. Would you like to raise up your hand and say, Pray for me, Brother Brent? I now want to know him. And I want to speak with him. And I want to know him as the fullness of his Spirit. I want to know that he's right by my side all the time. I believe he is. But I want to be on speaking terms. I'm thirsty and I'm hungry for God. I want to know him better. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. You, brother. You. Yeah, way back in the back. Down here, lady. Yes, yes, lady. We see your hands and God sees them. God bless you, young man. God bless you, you lady. Amen. God bless you. Bless you, sister. Someone else now. In a moment. God bless you. Way back there, young fellow. Think of it. Think of it. The ever presence of the water from the rock. That same spirit that is screaming out there at the day of the judgment for him when he took our judgment. And God's rod of wrath struck upon him. And your sins is wrapped in that rod. And it struck him and his blood and water gushed forth from him. He said, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. And on the day of Pentecost it comes to go with us through the journey. And it's so close now. When you like that, I'm hundred far away from home. Lord, I'm coming home. While we sing this, if you'd like to walk up to the altar and make a reconsecration here of your soul to Christ. I Uh, I was three little girls about the same time. 
Yeah. Thought you could quit dealing with the others. Take little children. Yeah. How this morning in the altar call not one adult, but the whole group of little children come up. Yet with a great message of hard understanding even to adults. But the children come to spirit. Hallelujah. We thank you for them, Father. I give them to you as your servant, as a trophy of this meeting, for remembering that the ever-present of the water of life will flow with them as long as they live. Hallelujah. May they have faith now in their capacity. That's God that pulled them from the seat and stand up here. May they have faith in that God all the days of their life. May their own spirits be brought to you in the day of their death, brought back to their body in the day of their resurrection. And they are your Father, we get out of you through Jesus' name. While we have our heads down, we're at all these little children at the altar that believe that Jesus is your Savior. And the one who calls you back there in the audience that come up here and kneel down around this altar. You believe that Jesus loves you and forgives your sins. I want you all to stand up on your feet and look back into the audience. That's what you tell the people that you believe that Jesus saved you. Now stand up for your feet, that's right. You look right back towards the altar. All of you little boys and girls that love Jesus, stand up and look back towards the congregation. Everyone. Amen. What about you little girls here in front? You believe you love Jesus? These little girls here? Amen. You love Jesus with all your heart, baby? You love him? You love him too much? Hallelujah. Now, let's turn around this way and stand to these people. So Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me. Let's just raise up our hands and be standing. All right. Jesus loves me. This I know.
If there's something on their hearts, then, Lord, you give me something to preach to their hearts tonight. Bless our brother Nell, his wife, his family, our little church, our trustees, our deacons, our members, and your body everywhere be with us, Father. We commit this to your hands in Jesus Christ's name. Love.